Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello there, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to another episode of the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. Today, I am bringing you a super special interview with the one and only Kate. Kate is an ADHD educator based in Japan, and today she's going to tell us all about uh, the education system in Japan, how ADHD is viewed in Japan, and how to embrace education as a neurodivergent person. So, I absolutely loved this interview and I can't wait for you to hear it. So I'm going to hush now and let you go listen to it. Hey there, Kate. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you. I'm so happy we could finally connect and thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course. Yes, we've run into a couple of roadblocks when it comes to meeting at appropriate times uh, for both of us. (laughs) Well, it's I am in Japan. I don't know if you've interviewed anybody who lives in Japan yet, but it's a, yeah, it's very far away from many places. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The time difference is (laughs) significant for sure, (laughs) but we have found a time that works and I am thrilled because I think my listeners are going to absolutely love everything that you have to say about education and about ADHD and how these things intersect. So before we jump into all of that, even though I'm very eager, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, I am Kate. I'm originally from Oakland, California, and from very young, I liked studying abroad and school, so I was a child of the 80s and 90s as a woman, so I was too smart to have ADHD, and I was not diagnosed until I was 34, Mm. and I've lived in six countries, and I now have been in Japan for almost... 16 years. Wow. It's a long time. (laughs) Uh, And my husband's Japanese and my kids are Japanese. And I, yeah. So now I'm fighting for neurodiversity awareness here in Japan. And I do ADHD education and education consulting. That's about as concise as a person with ADHD can be. (laughs) No, that was so concise. I love it. We're going to expand on all of those things. Absolutely. Um, so one of the first things I want to ask you, since you have had lived experience in so many different countries is what is sort of the vibe around neurodiversity in Japan? Um, well, Japan's usually like pretty behind on big things happening. Right. And especially like there is a lot of mental health issues like with depression and this, but I was diagnosed in Japan by a Japanese psychiatrist. So clearly it exists here. And my psychiatrist recognized it. Um, And more and more adults are getting diagnosed just like the rest of the world. But I still think it's about 10. I always say it's about 10 years behind in any process. And especially in terms of education and neurodiversity or any learning disabilities, Japan is not the best and handling it, it really, I won't say they're all bad, but it it comes down to certain teachers and 
in the public sphere, it's, it's a lot harder. And like ADHD is still kind of a learning disorder in Japan. And you know, it's not, it's not a learning disorder. No, <laughs> no, it's like, not. <laughs> <laughs> so like, there's a problem right there, you know, like, but I, I think there's room for information. And I think, I do think more and more adults will get diagnosed here and then we'll start to see changes. That's my hope. Yeah, absolutely. So you've mentioned a couple of times that you are an educator when it comes to ADHD and education. So I am curious when it comes to the intersection of ADHD and education, what are some of the biggest challenges that you have noticed either in your personal life or in the clients that you work with? Um, when it comes to education, what sort of challenges do people with ADHD face? Because this is very interesting, because for me, growing up undiagnosed, um, I loved school, right? I loved school because school made sense, because there's structure, and there are clear rules, and there are deadlines. And (laughs) for somebody like me, um, who is smart, who's like, I was smart of high intelligence, whatever we want to identify it as, like, I'm a smart person and so I thrived at school as a neurodivergent and there's a lot of us that uh, fit into that category Um, I did really bad in math of course which is also quite normal but I've realized now that I was not bad at math I was taught math incorrectly for neurodivergent minds and I just like love learning because, you know, clearly people with ADHD love learning. It's not about school so much, it's learning. So the biggest thing is, does the learning style and the ADHD match up? Mm. And that's when they have a lot of problems in school is usually if there's a disconnect in the dopamine and the motivation in, in that. So if a teacher can recognize that or in their school setting that can you know, create that excitement and dopamine driven motivation environment, then I feel any ADHD person can do well at learning. But if they can't handle, I would say, the traditional classroom or the traditional way of learning, and if they have a comorbidity of a learning disorder or dyslexia, which is pretty common, then, um, then it's, then a lot of them struggle and maybe drop out of school or don't like school or don't want to go back. And so I also help adult ADHD people who maybe didn't know they had ADHD at school, maybe go back and finish their degrees or figure out what they want to do next and kind of heal that disconnect between education, learning and like status or degrees or what it means Mm -hmm. because I really just want people to gain the education and knowledge that they want or need to do what they want to do and you know unfortunately a lot of them have had a lot of traumatic experiences at school and with learning and with or the other way like me became super overachiever perfectionist burnout so I feel there's no in between right ADHD all or nothing (laughs) love school hate school but Yeah, we do tend to deal with some of the all or nothing thinking and it tends to go one way or the other, either, you know, perfectionist burnout kid or, uh, you know, the kid who just struggles to connect learning and education um, together. So, yeah. But I think the 
person, regardless, as ADHD people love learning new things. We know this through the hobby hopping, through the special interests, through their like their activism, through their like idea factory brains, right? So I I want to help all people, whether they have ADHD or not, learn more about the ADHD brain and how we can learn and educate everyone better. Absolutely. Yes. I love that because, you know, the studies show that accommodations for neurodivergent folks help everyone, whether they're neurodivergent or not. Um, so I think that is huge, uh, in convincing neurotypical folks to get on board, you know, it's like, look, this is going to help everybody. It's, it's not about accommodating one person, uh, even though you are accommodating one person and that should matter. Uh, it also is about helping everybody. It, It really benefits everyone. Um, and uh, for me, never having any accommodations because they didn't know, right? <laughs> like now as an adult, I can still advocate when I know more about what's happening in my brain and with my friends, with people I don't know, with employers, with coworkers, with collaborators, because I can be like, hey, so I work like this and I think people are afraid to just explain their working styles as accommodation. So we need to change the whole narrative of like, no, this is good. This is just like better understanding and working together because people are different. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So what are some of the services that you offer to help people? with education, Um, with ADHD, you know, what, what services do you offer? Okay. So I started learning compass. It's my own, it's my own baby ADHD idea that became my actual business. And to do that, I hired a coach because I have ADHD and I was like, no, this is the one I want to do it. So I've invested a lot to make sure I do this, which I think as somebody with ADHD, that's important. Like sometimes you really need help and you need to know when to ask for that help. Cause I think I wouldn't have the follow through if I didn't get like help when I needed it, asking for my designer to help me do stuff, reaching out to other people I know, getting a business coach and being like, this is the idea. This is what I want to do and going with it. So it's been about a year since it was a baby idea to this. And now I do two main, and it's called Learning Compass, and it's like find your path. So I do two major things. One is education consulting, where I help people find the right educational needs for them or their children. So if you're a mom, or if you are somebody who wants to go back to school, or you just want help finding the right educational step, whether it be a certificate or a change of classes or a change of majors, whatever you need, you come to me and I put you on the right path, basically. So that's the education consulting. And then the other half is ADHD education, which is really just, I've been a teacher for many years. I taught many subjects. Now my subject is just ADHD. I teach about what ADHD is, And my psychiatrist calls me the ADHD translator, which I I like that one too. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Because I just try to take like traits of ADHD and make it more understandable, both for people with ADHD and those without ADHD. 
because it is an invisible disability and executive function for those who don't understand what it is. And I think even a lot of neurodivergence don't really know what executive functioning means, what skills it involves, like how that affects your life. And so when we break it down to simple terms or things that are concepts that are easy to understand, like task initiation mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and why we struggle with it and that it's not, it's not you, it's a real thing. It's called executive dysfunction. And you literally can't force your brain to do that task if your brain has decided it's not doing that task. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Learning about executive dysfunction was hugely freeing for me. It was that and reading the book, um, it's called laziness does not exist by Devin price. Um, the combination of, you know, first I realized what executive dysfunction is and it was like, oh, this isn't laziness. This is its own thing. Um, and then realizing, oh, even if it was laziness, laziness isn't real. And so <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Well, and that's like, <laughs> I mean, if we, I do know the book at your time, I haven't read it personally, but like ADHD people are not lazy. Like that, I would never use the word lazy to describe anybody who has ADHD because we're like the most overproductive people in the world. And I think part of it is for being called lazy so many times. But I've realized that I have no idea what like productivity looks like. And I feel as that overachiever, as somebody who felt like something was off their whole life or something was missing. I, I tend to just do a lot of things. <laughs> I yeah. start businesses or raise money for charity or learn how to teach yoga. I don't know. I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so I asked you about, um, the challenges that folks with ADHD struggle with when it comes to school. Now I am also wondering about the strengths. Do you notice strengths due to ADHD or would you attribute strengths to each individual person? How do you view that? Well, I think it, it's, I mean, yes, there, I'm going to say yes. I'm going with, there are strengths in ADHD because we do look at things differently and we have bigger picture thinking and that just changes how we look at crit and with critical thinking or in the world, we need people who think differently. That's an important skill to have. Uh, the problem is how we, how we act, you know, without masking or how we'll get too excited about something or, uh, you know, people call us creative or problem solvers or good in a crisis because, you know, we, we thrive off dopamine and adrenaline. So like, you know, Bill, like people are always like Bill Gates had ADHD or like trauma surgeons have ADHD. Simone Biles has ADHD. So clearly there's some like incredible talented ADHD people and learners. But for me, I'd say, yes, it's the big picture thinking and it's, sorry, I would... <laughs> And my mind goes blank with the idea that I was talking <laughs> it about. A it's shocking gonna... <laughs> amount on this podcast is totally it was okay. Be... No, it's going to come back. Um, thanks about that. So yeah, I think it's more the passion filled stuff. So if you're passionate about what you're learning and you have a clear deadline 
and urgency and you know you get a reward from what you're doing then it's it's nothing can stop an ADHD or with an idea who's determined to see that idea through absolutely um, I so something that frustrates me so much is this idea this very neurotypical idea that ADHD folks lack willpower, right? Because we struggle to do things or people with ADHD struggle to do things that they don't want to do. And I would argue that actually ADHD folks have such intense intrinsic motivation when it comes to things that interest them and actually have far more willpower than a lot of neurotypical folks. Um, It's just not always focused on the small daily but yeah i'd say we we just can't break it down so like that's another executive functioning which is taking a giant task and breaking it down into smaller bits and i we see this like i like the simplest example would be instructions i was just talking about this the other day so people with adhd don't like to follow instructions because Instructions are written for neurotypical brains. So really for me, it wastes my time. Why am I going to read that? It's not going to help me. I'm just going to try to figure it out. And this has been told something like we shouldn't do or that's a bad idea, but we just, they're not written for us. They don't make any sense to me. I, that's why I like Ikea instructions because it's just a bunch of pictures. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Okay. I can figure this out. Like that's easier for me than words written for neurotypical brains in a sequential order that is not the order I would ever probably do it in. That's really my problem. So I said that for for all things is just like ADHD. So we just, we need somebody to translate instructions like they do with all the other languages, right? When you buy like a Nintendo, they'll have Japanese mm-hmm. and French and Spanish. So we should just have instructions written for neurodivergence. I want this to be a job. <laughs> I actually love that. Like you flip through and there's French and there's German. And then in the back, there's, oh, and they'll the be like, for nerd, and it'll be just like really weird instructions that will make sense to nobody except people with ADHD. And it would be fun. Yeah. And like clearly see, that's an idea that like somebody with ADHD would be really motivated to do that. And so I'm putting it out there for your listeners. I think if they'll like it, but yes, I agree. When when it's interesting and we want to do it, we will move mountains to do that, including school, because I did tell you I have a master's in education and I got a youth development specialist certification as well. And I did that in Japan because these titles are really important for me here in Japan because I am a foreign resident, like I'm a permanent resident. My, my family is Japanese, but you know, clearly I am not of Japanese ethnicity, but it's my home here. So I want to help and I want to help Japanese teenagers, especially or young adults, um, because they have a really hard time. And so I needed those words. (laughs) I needed youth development specialists. So I studied it to, to get closer to help them and to understand them. And I'm going to start my next degree, even though I do not need another degree. And my husband's like, really? Another? I'm like, hey, some people buy handbags and diamonds. I just buy education. Let me have it. (laughs) (laughs) It's my investment in myself. I love it because I feel it's worth every penny. But that's me. I, I think this. And I know that for a lot of people, money 
is a big deterrent. So I also try to help people with that. But my latest degree is going to be an MS from King's College London. I'm so excited. That's such a fancy. You remember, I'm the perfectionist, like gifted kid. So like King's College London is a big school and it's an MS in psychology and neuroscience of mental health. So it's like all my things and that right up your alley that and the youth develop and the youth development and the education it's all of my things in one place and the other thing you know that neurodivergents really do love is to be of service to other people we I mean a lot of us do like helping people I know that sometimes like rubs people the wrong way or is it's like a stereotype but I believe a lot of neuro because it gets mixed in with like they feel are natural empaths or something. But I think there's a difference between the empathy part or the genuinely wanting to build something to help people. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple of reasons for it. You know, like there, there is this aspect of increased empathy that is definitely possible with a lot of neurodivergent folks, but I think there's also a bit of a trauma aspect to it where a lot of ADHD folks grew up being highly criticized and they learned the best way to keep themselves safe is to be useful, to be of service. Um, and so I think a lot of ADHDers, um, we tend to focus on that stuff because it, we know it keeps us safe. Uh, I would definitely agree. And I'm glad you said that. Cause I actually teach about this a lot too, because I have people who really want to believe, let's say Gabor Mate and scattered minds or this idea that we're all traumatized or ADHD is caused by trauma. And I don't particularly like that narrative. I, I don't teach about it because it's not because if I'm going to teach about something in my class, it's not that there's no room for discussion around these things, but until the science is there to match these theories, uh, I, I just want, I want to see the science. And I kind of more agree that it's like you said, it's more likely that all people with ADHD are traumatized from being neurodivergent, whether they knew or not, and especially if they didn't know. And there is science that says the neurodivergent child, the ADHD child, receives 20,000 more negative comments before the age of 12. Like, I'm sure you've seen that statistic. That's a big one that goes around. That's true. So yeah, if you're insulted 20,000 more times than your peers by the time you're 12, that's going to traumatize you. And so I agree that PTSD can look like ADHD, and ADHD people can have CPTSD, um, but I agree with you that it's more a lot of us have trauma just from having ADHD. Yeah, there's that saying that um, this world does not produce untraumatized neurodivergent folks, and so it's often very hard to tell which of our traits are inherent and which of our traits are caused by trauma. You know, it's, it's hard to suss that out sometimes. Well, but, and for me, I, I was only diagnosed five years ago, so I'd still say I'm pretty new <laughs> to like, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, five, I'm 39. So I was diagnosed at 34. So majority of my life I I did not have the words or the vocabulary or the education that I'm now providing to other people to explain why I do what I do so I do think it's my way of flipping the script or taking control of the narrative of what's happening in my brain 
um, because, you know, I was called like too much, too excited. You know, I chatty Kathy talks too much. You're just a lot. You're really intense. You know, so that was, and I am. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I'm not, but I'm genuinely excited because I have ADHD and I get really excited. And when I'm really excited, I'm like really excited. <laughs> so I understand that other people don't feel the same level that I do, but I'm also not harming anybody by being really excited about something. Oh, exactly. I yeah. I love that. And I realized that that's the, how many, like how much I was getting hurt. But just being like generally happy about some random fact that I read about that I want to tell you about because I think it's like really cool. So maybe yeah. you shouldn't make me feel terrible for that. Like maybe that's not a bad thing. So I've just embraced my intensity and it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me, I unmasked, love, unbridled. <laughs> I love the saying of if I'm too much, go find less. That Isn't makes that me Elise Myers. I think She's so. Great. I think so. Yeah, from TikTok. Yeah. I love I like just found her. She has like a bazillion followers. Like I never knew who she was. So I'm like, how, where have I been? Like where? <laughs> so, yeah. I'm really happy to have just found her. It's like just discovering like a really popular show that you knew nothing about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so before we close out, I have, I think two or three more questions. So this one's a bit of a doozy. I apologize if you need a second to think about it, that's okay. But when it comes to the education system, um, and I guess I'll ask specifically about the education system in Japan, since that's where you've been, mm. um, what is the <laughs> biggest thing that you wish you could see change? Okay. Well, People don't like when I say this, and but this is the biggest issue. There's well, there's a few issues with Japanese education. Um, one issue is Japan has a very large shadow education business, which are like they're called jukus or like Kumon. You've maybe seen Kumon and oh the yeah, 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 these like cram schools, right? So the shadow education industry is just it's it's too big here. So a lot of Japanese education will not change because it's too big of an industry. They make mm. like $4.6 billion a year or something like that. So until parents are like, wait, we pay for like public education with our taxes. So we shouldn't be spending all this money to send them to another school to learn all the things. We should learn that in school. But in Japan, that people don't really demand that of the public schools. So that's one part of the problem. And my other biggest red flag, it's not really the teachers or the way it's run. It's just like systemic issues that are, are written into the constitution. So for the fact is that it's very difficult to become a public school teacher or work in the public school system if you are not a Japanese citizen. And so that includes long-term Chinese, Korean, Indian, Brazilian, Peruvian residents who can speak Japanese, have been here for generations, but they don't have Japanese passports. And so there is still a law that exists. So there are a few ways to get around this. Um, 
but in general, it's still very much practice. So for me, as a mother, uh, that was a huge, big red flag. I can't put my kids in a public school system like that. I just, until it's like officially changed, because they like have few exceptions, but it's still written there. It's still very much, you have to have a Japanese passport to work in the public servant realm of Japan. And that just excludes so many people in so many ways of thinking. And that's not Japan, like that's the problem. But this is the public school system, but that's not the reality of the country anymore. So right, it's, yeah. very, it's very complicated. So I don't like to really like call them out on it because I know it's quite layered and complex and that there's plenty of good teachers or schools trying to work around this, but it's just, that's the system that we're working within. Yeah, so there's some major systemic issues, just, just like everywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so that's that's a big one for me. And with ADHD, it's just simply um, they still think ADHD is a learning disorder, and it's definitely not. So, right, yeah, it's uh, a neurodevelopmental condition. That and like they often take the kids of ADHD or any learning differences in Japan, and they put them all together which doesn't really work either because usually it's they're not the best with inclusive education or up-to-date practices either so a lot of ADHD children will go to classes that are much too slow and boring for them which is actually highly detrimental to an ADHD brain mm -hmm. if they're already bored in the regular classes because they're kind of boring to put them in slower boring classes right yeah definitely going to cause some problems <laughs> for sure <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that is a big giant one. But like I said, I try to focus on the individual levels and it's definitely not the people like in many other countries with big problems. It's, it's a systemic problem that's going to take a long time, but people just need to have more information and conversations and like start to talk more, which is also just Japanese culture not always really been embraced or what they do so trying to be maintain Japanese culture and important rituals and parts of it but allowing people to speak up about neurodivergency or mental health or these other things that they know are important mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yes I completely agree there's a balance to be struck there and it's tricky and hard and it's going to take time but it's important work to do and you're a huge part of making that happen so thank you for and doing I do, what you do and I do say I feel bad because Japan is my home like I I didn't choose I didn't really choose Japan to be my home like I fell in love with a Japanese man and that's what happened but yeah like I think that's why I'm like extra sensitive to how I speak about it because because I do love it and it is my home and I choose to be here and it's but I'm also aware that I'm I'm not Japanese like they make me very aware of that. <laughs> yes <laughs> like I'm not Japanese I'm not trying to be Japanese but I am trying to improve the country that I live in for my half Japanese neurodivergent children because they definitely got mama's brain <laughs> absolutely yeah and I think it's absolutely possible to love something and still want to improve it you know both both and um 
for sure. So I think the last question I wanted to ask you are, sorry, no, there are two more. Um, how can people work with you? How can they reach out to you? How can they connect with you? Okay. Um, my Instagram is easy. So it's at learning.compass. And then from there, there's my link tree that goes to everything. Or my website is just Kate Kamoshita. So K-A-M-O-S-H-I-T-A dot com. So there's not very many Kate Kamoshitas in the world because Kamoshita is actually not a very common Japanese last name. Um, and I took my husband's last name, which is also a big, well, I guess it's another can of worms, but it's a very <laughs> old law in Japan that if two Japanese people marry each other, so just two Japanese people, not if you marry a Korean or Chinese or American, if two Japanese national people marry each other, they must legally change their name to one name. Wow. That's fascinating. So that's so now everyone's like, but you took his name. I'm like, yeah, but I had a choice. So I can't imagine not having a choice. But Kate Kamoshita and a random fact about Japan that you didn't know thrown in there for a good measure. So you'll remember <laughs> something. Yes, I love it. We love the fun facts here on this podcast. Um, okay, which leads me to my last question, which is if somebody listens to this podcast and you know the ADHD brain can be uh, sort of Swiss cheese-like and some of the information is going to fall through the cracks, um, <laughs> what is one thing that you want people to remember if they walk away from this podcast and they forget everything else? What is the one thing you want they to forget stick in everything brain? else? This is the most important, and I don't even think I said it yet, so just listen to this part. Education is for you. It is not for anybody else. It is not for anything else. It is for the individual and what the individual gains from that education, and that education comes from all parts of the world in all shapes and sizes from formal degrees to what you learn from your dog, and it is all for you. So if you want a degree, get a degree. If you want to learn something else, do that. But always remember that it is a personal development thing, not a, not a means to an end. Yes, I absolutely love that. I think that is a mindset shift that a lot of people need to hear. So thank you so much for that. And that's my biggest thing. Because if you come to me too, and you talk to me about what you want to study or what you want to do or what you want to learn, I'm always making sure that it's genuinely what you want to learn. Because I think that's the first problem that many people, neurodivergence and neurotypicals alike make. They'll be like, I want to study business because I think it'll help me get a job. I'm like, yeah, but is it... <laughs> But will you like that job once you get it? <laughs> it's like, and I understand that, yeah, being a teacher, for example, doesn't pay that great. But it's like, I, I knew that going in. That's another unfortunate education system. So I just, but I love teaching. So what are you going to do? Exactly. Pay teachers more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everywhere in the world. That should just be another thing to remember. Education's yeah. for you. And also, yes, be respectful and pay teachers more because they, most of them very much love the job. Right. Right. Well, thank you so much for all of the, the wealth of information that you have been today. And thank you so much for all of your insights and for sharing here. I 
I'm feeling very proud because I feel I was pretty clear. <laughs> yes, no, you definitely were. So thank you. <laughs> well, you know, my ADHD brain, that's always the hardest thing because I probably have so much more to say about all of these topics. So please find me on my social media channels, on my website, Learning Compass, Kate Kamashita, and ask me anything. I'm a neurodivergent, so I will totally overshare. Yes. Anything you want <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening and I will talk to you next Saturday. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave a review over on Apple podcasts and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.